Blog Talk Radio. What's up, what's up? It's Wide Men Can't Jump. I'm Nate. My buddy TR is here with me, and I'm cutting the introduction short because we are joined right now by our guest, the voice of the Washington Wizards, the commentator for them, Mr. Dave Johnson. Dave, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks. Appreciate it. I wish we were still playing basketball right now, but uh, appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for coming on board. Um, Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. since you guys aren't playing basketball right now, which is, and I wish you still were, um, did you do you think this was a disappointing year for the Washington Wizards um, when it was all said and done? No, there's no question. I mean, this is a team that a year ago at this time, in fact, literally a year ago at this time, I was getting ready for Game Two uh, against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And, and it was a, a series that was riveting against the Boston Celtics. The Wizards with it, a, a great John Wall buzzer beater, or, or not buzzer beater, but last second three-pointer at, at one game six. Went into Boston with lots of optimism for game seven and, and clearly the belief that they could not only win game seven, but then move on to the to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it didn't happen a year ago. And, and a year ago at this time, there, there were NBA pundits and analysts talking about that the you know, the Wizards are the one team the Cavaliers do not want to face. Uh, now, as we sit here and discuss this in, in May, it's a Wizards team that did not make it out of the first round. And, and uh, you know, all that promise and hope from a, from a year ago has faded a little bit. That's not to say that, that the world has come to an end, but it's it's clearly a team now that, that's, that's facing challenges knowing that it has an all-star backcourt, uh, that it is a playoff-caliber team. But it, it needs to be a team that goes further in the playoffs, and that's the challenge the Wizards will face in the offseason. Hey, Mr. Johnson, this is TR here. How you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Good, me too. Um, you mentioned the all-star backcourt, uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal. Um, I don't think anybody in the league would not like to have those two in their backcourt. Great tandem. Uh, John Wall got the injury. Uh, Beal said everybody eats. Or, I'm sorry, Beal didn't. Was it Beal or, or, or um, Gortat? I'm not sure. Um, well, no, nonetheless, that, was, uh, that was a quote. There was, it was, it was more or less a, a, a team quote. It was not one person that, uh, you know, that, that goes to it. At one point, I think Scott Brooks said it in a, in a post-game a press conference. But it was just, it was just basically a, a, a statement of, a, of the Wizards' You know, method of success is is high assist, low turnover, uh, and sharing the basketball. That's how that's how they have success. And and the big reason why we're 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 talking on this uh, Wednesday and the Wizards aren't in the playoffs is is when they had success uh, in the regular season, the postseason. You just take a look at that assist number. If you take a look at that assist number from Game Six against the Toronto Raptors, and it was it was a ridiculous twelve. And that, that tells the story all right there, that the ball just did not move like it's capable of moving with the Wizards because they have players that can make plays and, and make shots. So, um, uh, you know, for this team to be successful, 
you know, everybody eats. This is not a headline flash. This team does not have LeBron James. That This team does not have a, a player who can single-handedly take over a game. It's got to be about good fundamental basketball. And when it's working, it's beautiful, and, and, and the Wizards are successful. And, and when it's not, uh, then the results will come up short. Got well, it. The wi- gotcha. The Wizards, to me, were – I know Wall getting hurt – uh, brought them down to an eight seed, and they unfortunately had to play the Toronto Raptors, who are a very deep, very talented team. Um, I was very surprised that um, they were the eight seed because I thought they were better than Miami and um, Milwaukee collectively. I thought they should have been at least up in the top five or four. Um, do you think that the play maybe of some of the support guys like Otto Porter because his numbers were kind of down this series. And Kelly Oubre played decently, but not up to what we're used to. And Gortat had a couple rough rough stints in the playoffs. Do you think those guys needed to step up and do more along with Bill and Wall, or do you think there was just something lacking in the playoffs? Well, I think, you know, it's it's a case where a lot of teams, uh, you know, lose an elite player like like John Wall and, and their, their season is over. And I, and I think that was what was the curious thing about uh, the Wizards, that, that, that obviously they lost John Wall and they continued to have success and, and got on a very successful run that allowed them to secure a playoff spot. But, of course, during that run, a, a false notion started to be, uh, you know, circulated or speculated. And it was all it was never by anybody from the Wizards or, or, or anybody close to the team. But, and, and look, content is king. I'm talking here on, on, a, on a show tonight. Uh, you know, we've got so many more options for the web and et cetera, et cetera. So you're, you're always going to have stories churning. And, and so then the story was, well, are the Wizards, you know, better without John Wall? Well, no, they're not. Uh, but uh, it was almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If the Wizards didn't do well after John Wall went out on January 25th, the, the people would be saying, well, uh, well, see, see, the Wizards, they're nothing but John Wall. They're not that good a team. Instead, the Wizards show they're more than, than John Wall, but they need John Wall to, to be that uh, uh, elite team. So, you know, I think part of the storyline is that, yes, he did miss 41 games, and that's how they became an eighth seed. If you, if you take LeBron James out of the Cavaliers for 41 games or name your, your key player on any team for 41 games – your, your expectations are, are, are going to be uh, changed and, and your, uh, the reality is going to be a bit muted. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a credit to this Wizards team that they didn't fold, they didn't collapse. There were some, I remember seeing the articles at the time that, well, the Wizards season is done now that John Wall is out. That was not the, uh, the case, but uh, the first round exit of this team with John Wall back healthy, you know, does show that this team, uh, you know, probably does need – I shouldn't say probably does need to, to make some changes and adjustments in, in the NBA in any sport. Uh, if you, if, you know, there's a certain, um, if you will, uh, a, a date at which this team as a, as a unit works well together. And then you, you probably have to change things up. I mean, look at the Atlanta Hawks a year ago. Uh, we were battling them to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And we did this past season, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. So, uh, that's that's life in the NBA. Things can things can dramatically change depending on your fortunes. From the from the Wizards' standpoint, they they have that strong backcourt, which is a is is an essential foundation. You know, uh, Kelly Oubre 
did not have a good finish to the season, but that does not mean he's not a good player and not a part of the future. He's a young player, and, and that inconsistency uh, certainly showed up offensively, specifically toward the end of the season. You know, Otto Porter is evidenced by the fact he didn't play game six, was not fully healthy. So, you know, for the Wizards to be successful going forward, they need uh, – Kelly Uber is going to be fine. They need a, a healthy Otto Porter, and, and again, you, <laughs> the same can be said for – you need a healthy Bradley Beal. You need a healthy John Wall. The Warriors need a healthy Steph Curry. We can go right down the list. Um, and then it's about, yeah, they, to, to, to John Wall's notations, that they, they need more consistency and, and probably a stronger bench. And that's going to be the challenge uh, that the Wizards face in this offseason. How do they construct a team that has some of those elements and then can make a, a, a stronger run in the playoffs? Okay, Mr. Johnson, I like to mix it up a little bit and um, have some fun and take it outside the box. Um, in city to city and, and, and working with the team so closely, um, what's a day in the life for Dave Johnson like on the road? Um, if you have an off a travel day, so to speak, or what have you, do you have your favorite restaurant in the different uh, cities and uh, maybe hit a golf course? What's, what's it like on a day off? Well, my, my day off is probably different than a lot of uh, broadcasters. I really don't have a day off. Uh, I, I continue and I have for the past 23 years do the morning sports at, at WTOV Radio, uh, Washington's all-news radio station. So, uh, you know, uh, there, really, there, there really is, during the course of the basketball season, it is, it is my most intense time because you have the basketball games. But uh, if, if a game gets over at, at whatever time and, and we move on to the next city, I'm up at 3 a.m. Uh, doing morning drive. If I have, if we, we get to the city the night before, I'm still up at, at, at 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, doing morning drive sports on, on WTOP radio. So uh, unlike some other, I, I guess my answer is going to be boring. Unlike some other, uh, some other broadcasters may have time for golf or, or uh, fine dining or that type of thing, I'm just a working class stiff. <laughs> 3 a.m. Wow, that's <laughs> that's busy. Put it that way. Uh, go ahead, Nate. Well, uh, one thing I do want to ask, since you brought it up, uh, John Wall was quoted saying that the Wizards do need to add some pieces in the off season. Uh, are there any big name free agents, or even some free agents that maybe aren't the biggest names? Maybe they're not the superstars like the Paul George and the LeBron James that. Of course, everybody would would love to have either one of those on their team, but is there anybody that maybe has a connection to Washington, has been there, played there, that could come in and really help give this team? I know they signed Ty Lawson uh, in there before the playoff run. I don't know if he's going to stick around, but is there anybody that the Wizards may have their eye on or be thinking, yeah, this is a guy that we want here next season? Well, I mean, I don't think on May 2nd we, we have that answer because this is a team that – that does have some limitations uh, on the salary cap. So then it becomes an issue of what kind of, uh, you know, trade do you make? And that's, that's something that you can't predict the future. And I've, I've learned over and over again, the NBA is a certain, and, and specifically with the Wizards, the certain trades happen. You didn't, you might not have seen that coming, but it happens. So, um, you know, the Wizards, uh, they've got a big three right now, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter. Um, you know, they, they've got to surround that and get better. I, I think, you know, clearly John's statement of what this team needs, uh, another athletic, an athletic big man, 
big man that's not a shot at March and Gortat. It's just a, a shot at the or, or a, a statement about the way the league is going right now, where it's a uh, a league that is going smaller that that uh, we're seeing you know time and time again where you're matching up against another team or you're deciding to play against a team that does not have a, a traditional center. Uh, you know, the Wizards have the 15th and, and 44th overall pick in the NBA draft. With those picks, you know, you can get a player that can make a difference. I'm not saying franchise changer or game changer, but, uh, you know, the 15th pick is a, is a, is a in the first round overall is a, a pick that, that can bear bear fruit. And, um, and again, that's out of a, something of the NBA draft that's an inexact, inexact science to begin with. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's at this point, you, you can't see the future. It's hard to see. And, and so we're going to have to wait and see, you know, what develops over the summer. It's going to be a critical summer for this team because, again, this is a team that, that four out of the last five seasons has made it to the, the uh, uh, you know, has, has been a part of the, uh, the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. The only other team to do that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So clearly the Wizards are doing something right, but, you know, it's not just about congratulations, you made the playoffs. It's it's constructing a team that really can compete. And a year ago at this time, I think we felt like uh, this was a team that, that, you know, is knocking on the door uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals. Right now, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, and so now it has to, we have to wait and see what bears out over the summer. Yeah, TR again, uh, the Wizards obviously see the remaining four in the East up close and personal, and, and you have a first-hand view of those four teams. Um, do you see anybody uh, in Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia coming up and having a strong chance, fighter's chance, puncher's chance, or, or, or are we seeing Cleveland go to the NBA final again, in your opinion? Well, I mean, based on what happened you know, last night, it's hard to – not think you know. Wow, it, it it seems to be predetermined and, and, and scripted for Cleveland. I'm not saying they don't work for those victories, but um, right. they they just to their credit and to LeBron James' credit, they they find a way a win. But you know, here's the headline flash. Of course, it's it's a seven game series and just the first game uh, in that seven game series. I, I will say this: I think it's a more um, you know intriguing Eastern Conference this season you know, than it has been. I don't think it's necessarily a, a guarantee that, you know, Cleveland is going to be uh, that, that team standing at the end. I, I think Toronto, having just witnessed them, you know, are a team that, again, they've got an all-star backcourt, DeMar, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And, and you know, they went through playoff frustrations and, and they found the right formula and, and collected the right players. And, and uh, you know, it's something I've never really seen that I can think of in the playoffs uh, at least firsthand, where you're going 12 or 13 deep on a roster, and the Raptors are. So they really, uh, you know, credit Dwayne Casey for a wonderful coaching job and, and the way they use their bench. So, um, you know, Brad Stevens, I think, is one of the finest coaches in the NBA. And, and uh, you know, clearly uh, many people thought their season was over when Gordon Hayward went down. Instead, you know, far from over, it is it is still going on. And, and Brett Brown, you know, who, uh, who comes from uh, – such great basketball coaching pedigree, serving under Greg Popovich. Uh, my partner on Wizards Radio, Glenn Consort, played with Brett Brown in college. Uh, he's done a terrific job through that process with it as a Philadelphia 76ers. So, uh, you know, I, I think it, um, you know, at this point, you, everybody's going to go ahead and pick Cleveland, and, and why not, and why wouldn't you? But 
uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see what develops over the next uh, next couple of weeks because I think, you know, we've already seen some, um, uh, you know, certainly even I, I know the series ended in six games that the Wizards showed uh, that the Raptors, even the top seed in the Eastern Conference, could be, you know, very vulnerable in the, in the two games in Washington uh, before the, the sixth game that, that ended the series. You know, the Wizards look very much like the better team. So, you know, it's the old saying, that's why we show up every night to see what happens. Right on. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for very much for coming on with us and giving us some time uh, here on Wide Men Can't Jump. We really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us um, and giving us so much insight that we haven't had on the Washington Wizards this season. So uh, we would love to have you back on sooner rather than later, maybe once things get going after the draft or free agency, we'd love to have you back and keep grinding and doing what you're doing. If you want, go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you. They can find me on at Dave J sports on, uh, on Twitter. We hope you find us on the, uh, the, the Washington wizards radio network. And again, it's real simple. You can listen to, we have a 24 seven radio station wizards radio, 24 seven. It's available on the wizards app. You click the radio icon in the upper right corner and you get the 24 seven Wizards Radio News and NBA, and it's comprehensive coverage for Wizards and NBA fans. So we certainly hope you find that. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate it, and uh, you have a good rest of your day, and we hope to talk real soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Johnson of the Washington – he was the Washington Wizards commentator, the commentary team – and was so gracious to give us a little time here this week. As I was saying before I cut our intro short, I'm Nate Bush. I am one of the hosts of this flagship show, Wide Men Can't Jump. But before I go any further, we've got a movie star on set here with us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. We have an actor, a member of the guild. Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, my God. Look, it's T.R. <laughs> Yowza, yowza, yowza. <laughs> I was waiting on you. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, those, uh, those, those prepaid surprise spots, you know, I got, I mean, I pre- prepaid, pre prepared surprise spots. I got to be, uh, on my toes for, I never know what you're going to throw in. Oh, I, I'm, I'm all over the place. You never know where I'm going to show up. But uh, we got a, just a packed show as packed can get tonight. We've got guests. We've already had one guest, and he gave us 20 minutes or so, and appreciate him. we got another guest coming here in about 10 minutes. But, TR, let's go ahead and talk about it. The Philadelphia 76ers, I know they're your team. My Wolves are done in the playoffs. Uh, it was a good run. We'll talk to Alan Horton later about that. But the 76ers have made it to the second round. They're taking on the Boston Celtics and lost game one. And I believe they're going to be favored to win this series with all of Boston's injuries. Kyrie's hurt. Of course, Hayward injured at the beginning of the year. And then they get Marcus Smart back. And Philly just went into Boston and was not able to win. Terry Rozier looked great um, playing in that game. Uh, Rozier, Horford, and Tatum had 83 points combined. In that win, um, Marcus Smart, he played great defense, 9-9, nine and nine, had 9 assists, 9 points. Rozier had 29, Horford 26, Tatum 28. Jalen Brown out 
Shane Larkin had some significant minutes. Uh, there was just a lot of guys hurt, and Greg Monroe didn't even play, and Boston picks up a 16-point win. So you got thoughts on that? Yeah, my stomach still hurts from watching it. I uh, I viewed every minute, every second, every play of that game. And um, coming in, winning 20 out of the last 21, I, I made the mistake, and you know I've been cautious all year. I, I, I said I even took a sip of the Kool-Aid. You did. But I won't drink it. I drank it before that series, and I, I uh, as a Philly – as a Philadelphian in Delaware County, Delco, hashtag Delco um, member, proud member, uh, I, I I let my um, fandom overcome my my thinking. Brad Stevens is an excellent coach, which Dave Johnson mentioned, and I, sh- I should say, holy crap, he's got uh, a lot of energy and a lot of fire uh, for a guy that's up at three in the morning. Jeez, he was. Uh, he was on fire. I was trying to catch up with him, uh, but you know that goes to show that I'm a little, I'm a little slow on the draw these days. But uh, anyhow, um, the game uh, itself was disappointing because the Sixers uh, were behind in the Miami series at halftime. I think all five games, definitely four, um, but I think five, all five. They were it was all five. Only, you know, they were either behind yeah. or tied in all five. We talked to uh, yeah. Tom Moore brought that stat up whenever you were busy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom were the guest that I, I, three to four weeks and maybe even longer, I tried to book, and then I wasn't on when he came on. Uh, yeah, anyway, bring up everything, Nate. Everything I, I, I suck at. Anyhow. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now you made me forget my point on the damn sixes because I'm, uh, I'm reminiscent about how bad I suck. Um we came in 20 and 21, but Brad, uh, Brad Stevens, uh, obviously great coach. Um, and, oh, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and jumping too far in. I posted and, and tagged everybody on Twitter, uh, everybody that's anybody that I respect in the Philadelphia media that, uh, I quote, we have something for that ass tonight. Uh, <laughs> I usually reserve my, uh, my street lingo for, uh, you know, like an Eagle Super Bowl uh, run, for instance, which we which we won, or a Villanova Villanova championship run, which which we just had. Um, so I, I kind of dove headfirst in, and and then watching the reality was that they played Ben Simmons the way I thought the Heat might play him. In that the guy looks to kick, the guy does not look to shoot unless he gets one of those isolation plays where he totally has a mismatch and just. You know, has a you know easy jam and the the plays designed for him or whatever. When he drives, he's going to look to pass. And they had two guys around him. If he'd make a spin move, and everywhere he looked, they were at. And you mentioned Marcus Smart, who I'm going to hate for the next six games, but is my possibly favorite player around the league. Uh, as far as just either he's legitimately nuts or he's like his namesake, very intelligent. And, uh, for instance, I was watching him closely, specifically him, and how he conducts himself during the game. Uh, Dario Sarge goes down early in the first. uh, He fouled him. And 
one of the Sixers grabs his right hand, and Marcus generously picks him up with his other hand, uh, which you don't see often these days, especially in a division rivalry, uh, historical rivalry, playoff rivalry, etc. There was yeah. none of that in the Heat games, put it that way. Um, no, no, none, none. And, and then later on in the game, there he's yapping in Dario's face. So he's a interesting player. He he's not the the greatest talent as far as uh, like you saw Terry Rozier, who also you know came out of nowhere, but uh, a lead role lately with all the injuries, uh, just come up and drain threes. And you know Marcus had a couple that were going in, a couple that were clanking off the top rear side of the backboard and what have you, but, you know, there was a sequence in, in like, a two-minute period where Baines hit a three-pointer and then Marcus Smart hit a three-pointer, and I'm just like, this is not our night if those guys are draining threes. So, uh, I didn't lose confidence, but I'll be wary of taking a a full sip of the Kool-Aid, you know, as as we can as Philadelphians. But I, I predicted Philadelphia in five, and I'm going to stick with it. I think uh, if, if as soon as they get one game, which will be tomorrow, I think they're going to kick the teeth out of the Celtics, the undermanned Celtics. Uh, a coach can only do so much with what he had. They used an eight-man rotation. Um, I think Brett Brown does have the capability of making adjustments. Uh, I think uh, instead of less is more, more is more, where you can uh, tire those guys out. I know you got to stick to your key guys in the playoffs, but uh, you're playing an undermanned team. Missing in game one, their three best players. I mean, you got to count Hayward with a grain of salt, I guess. But um, on paper, the three best players, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and Jalen Brown. And, uh, again, and I've been, you know, singing Brian Colangelo's praises uh, just because it's the lesser of two evils. He did make some key signings, you know, for uh, for us with Radic Bellinelli, Ilyasova, and a lot of people like to live in the past. Not a lot, um, but it's a vocal minority supporting this uh, scam hinky and uh, scum hinky, whatever his name is, who uh, <laughs> lost, intentionally lost, and we don't want to go through that again. But, um, yeah, anyhow, uh, but Colangelo got duped by Danny Ainge and, and the marvelous, fundamentally sound, and certainly confident, self-confident rookie Jason Tatum hurt us very much as well. Um, and we traded up to get a guy who didn't see one minute in game one and missed 68 games and headbutted our best player. So uh, I think all that will be – already has been addressed and and will be ready to go tomorrow. Uh, That would be Thursday night. Um, Tonight we have uh, Utah and Houston as we tape. Um, But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still going to stick with uh, Sixers in the series. I said Sixers and five. I'm just going to stick with it and uh, believe that if they get that one in Boston, uh, they will come here and the crowd will be so electric – It'll be almost impossible for Boston to win here. And I'm going to say Sixers and five, if not Sixers and six. Well, um, one key stat I'm going to point out is five of 26 from three-point land. Uh, The Sixers go five 
of 26 from downtown, 19%, which is never, never a good sign. Um, the plus minus game, we, we love that stat. Um, only one, two, three, four, five, six players finish in the positive. We've got uh, plus three, Ilya Sova, plus three, Justin Anderson, plus one, uh, Jared Bayless, plus one, uh, Ryan Holmes, uh, and even zero, J.J. Reddick. And guess who p- finished at plus five? Leading the way. Uh, for the in Sixers? The, for the Sixers. Uh, I mean, judging from the way you build it up, I would guess TJ. You are correct. TJ McConnell leading the way in the plus minus stat. Um, TJ had no points. He had one rebound. Um, it was just a rough night for the Sixers, uh, especially from three-point shooting. Dario Sarge goes 0-4. Covington goes 0-4. Embiid actually goes 2-5 of 5 from three. Redick 2-7. of 7. Uh, Bellinelli goes one of two, Ilyasova O of three. So those are never really good, um, good stats to have per se. Um, it's just, ugh. Well, I think we have a call. Hold on. Hello, sir. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Jeff, Jeff yeah. is back. How y'all doing? What's happening, Jeff? I just Good. watched the first half of the Houston and uh, Utah game. Yeah, we saw the um, – I well, we haven't talked about it yet, but I saw the stat line. We got a guest going to jump on here any minute from uh, Minnesota Timberwolves Radio. But uh, the Jazz are leading 64-55. to 55. Yeah, one moment. time it was a 16-point lead to Houston. Yeah, it, it actually, from what I said, I, was it 16 or 19? It, it was well, 19. Well, the Jazz were up well, 19. Yeah, it may have got to 19. My well, last thought was 53 to 37, and then it was 64-55. But uh, uh, you know, Mitchell's been playing okay. Go, Dirk, uh, uh, been playing good, and uh, I think his name is, is it Ingles. Yeah, Joe Ingles. Yeah. yeah, he's having a. He's had. I think he has 14 in the first half. So uh, yeah, I'm looking here. He's got 14. He went five of eight in the first half. Uh, four of six from three. He's in. He's plus two right now, uh, a rebound and assist. So a decent night for him. And one thing they're going to have to do if they plan on beating the Thunder, or excuse me, the Thunder. They beat the Thunder. If they want to beat the Rockets, they've got to get Gobert going. He's got thirteen and nine already. So yeah, he's had a good half. He's, they've uh, Burks has been able to penetrate to the uh, basket uh, quite a bit. And he's just lobbing up to. Go bear just for a dunk or a lay-in or whatever, and uh, yeah. they've been doing a really good job of penetrating and kicking through the game. But uh, yeah. I really, I still, you know, Houston's kind of like, I think Houston's kind of like Golden State where they can just score, you know, ten points in a matter of a minute and a half, and I think that's what's going to happen. I, I mean, I, I mean, Jazz could hold on, but I really like for the Rockets to come back and win the game. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeff, you don't care. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, We've got our guest calling in. Um, I'll slide you over on hold here, and we'll get our guest on board. All right. Joining us right now from the Minnesota Timberwolves radio commentary, our play-by-play guy in Minnesota Timberwolves for radio, which is not easy to do. You don't have that benefit (laughs) of uh, 
having everybody being able to see what you see, you got to lay it out for them. You got to basically just got to tell them everything from, from the color of the lights to the court to what everybody's wearing, what way they're going. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Alan Horton. Alan, thanks for joining us. You bet. Always good to talk Timberwolves basketball. Always, always. I agree. Um, yeah. My co-host TR is a Sixers fan, so he's just going to sit over in the uh-huh. corner. No, I'm kidding. He's, well, he's doing okay. I mean, being in the second round of the playoffs, there's nothing too shabby about that. Absolutely. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little Wolves ball here. Um, you've been there. We've had um, Dave Benz, Jim Peterson on here with us before. So uh, we're basically just making the rounds of the uh, play-by-play guys. So you were next on the list. <laughs> so, nice. But the Wolves finally get back in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it was an eight seed. The injury of Jimmy Butler hurts. They draw that dreaded Houston Rockets team who they just don't match up with at all. I don't think they beat Houston in Houston. I think they, they're they 0 of 12 uh, in their last 12 attempts in Houston trying to yeah, defeat them. Yeah, it's more than that now. It's up to, it's up to 14 now. Oh, gosh. But they I did know, get a win. nightmare. They did, they did get a get win, win, but it's a nightmare there. I, I felt good. They got one win, so I felt good. I knew that the Rocket series would be tough. Um, looking to the off season, my opinion, we need to somehow add some shooting from the outside, and we need to add some defense. Um, what do you think Coach Thibodeau is going to be looking to do with this Wolves team moving forward? I think he'd like to be better in both those areas you mentioned. Um, But the key thing you mentioned is the word somehow, Um, somehow being better defensively, somehow adding more shooting. And that's the difficult thing. And and the Timberwolves aren't the only team in this situation around the league where they've got a lot of money tied up in a very small number of players, meaning Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. That means there's not a whole lot of other money to go around to other players. They're over the salary cap. They're right up. Uh, possibly into that luxury tax area, especially if they re-sign Nemanja Bielitsa. Um, and so it makes it very difficult to try to find some of those guys that are going to provide some of those things that we're talking about, defense and shooting and wing depth and bench help, um, when you don't have the money to spend on the guys who can, you know, the guys that can do those things well, they're going to cost money, money you don't have to add to this team. So they're going to have to be very shrewd this offseason, I think, in the way they approach it and the way they can kind of acquire um, some guys that can help. Um, it's, I think some of the, I, I think a lot, maybe not a lot is a strong word, but, you know, the hope is that even though you've tied up Wiggins and Towns and Butler, I think we know what Jimmy Butler is, and, and I think we know where he can play at and the level he plays at. I think for Towns and Wiggins, you're still hoping they can grow um, and become even better. Um, to help make up for some of that improvement that the team needs because they need three-point shooting. I I think that's the biggest need. I've been saying this for years. Um, You know, only twice in the Timberwolves' 29-year history have they outscored their opponents at the three-point line over the course of a season, twice in 29 years. And one of those years was a Rick Adelman, Alexi Schved-led team that outscored their opponents by um, seven made threes the entire season, so a negligible difference per game. Um, So that really is one only one other season where they had – even a slight advantage. And, and you can't beat teams like Golden State, like Houston, like almost half the league now because in, in series where, you know, they're going to be jacking up 35 to 43s, and they don't even have to shoot a great percentage on that. They'll just beat you by math, by simple probability. Um, the Rockets aren't a great three-point shooting team. They're league average, but they shoot 43 attempts a game. I mean, it's just it's, 
it, and, and I think the Wolves did a pretty good job against them at the three-point line, but they just beat you with volume. Um, and so I think that's a huge, huge area where the Wolves have to find a way. You've got to be a league, at least league average offensively, I think, and knock down close to 10 threes a game, which means the Wolves have to find two made threes a game. They finished last in the league, averaging only eight made threes. They've got to find a way to, to average nine and a half or 10 a game. And that's not going to be easy to do, but I think that has to be a goal. Gotcha. Yeah. TR here. Uh, quick question. Uh, the T-Wolves, uh, the beginning, the premise of this show we started um, before the season, Nate's a diehard T-Wolves guy, and I'm a Philadelphia guy. And um, the overlying guys was that we felt they were the two teams, ironically, coming up in the respective conferences. So it, it kind of worked out all season. And I adopted mm-hmm. the T-Wolves as kind of my second team that I followed. Um, I think you guys, you know, we don't, we can't change the past, but one thing that was unfortunate, obviously, was uh, Jimmy Butler's injury because had he not gone down, I, I don't see you guys matching up with the Rockets and or, and or Warriors in the first round. Uh, crying over spilt milk, uh, looking in the past, I know we shouldn't do that, but uh, – you know, I, th- I think I think they got a bad draw, and and it's just a shame that that Jimmy went down at the time he did. Yeah, it it came at an awful time at the um you know for for the last six weeks of the season roughly, and that was a, a period of time in the schedule where the Wolves played their most difficult schedule. Um, I think they had a stretch of um, I can't even remember what it was. I was calling it the eight game gauntlet or nine games in a row where they faced playoff teams. Um, just call it what it was. It was hell. It was hell. Yeah. <laughs> I had to watch most it. Oh, my were, God. Had to play the Spurs, and they had to play the Rockets, yeah. and then they had the Warriors yeah. and the Celtics. I, yep. I said, who the hell made this play, this list? I was yeah. so mad. It was, it, was, it was at Utah. It was at Portland. I think, I think there were two games against Houston there. It was just uh, – it was a gauntlet. And um, they got through it with a couple of wins. Um, but, you know, you need, you need to be at full strength if you're going to handle that part of, this, of, of a schedule – um, at that part of the season. And, you know, six weeks to go in the season, the, the Timberwolves were still the number three seed in the Western Conference. And that's um, that's how tight things were in the West. Everybody else started to move up, whether it was Utah going on their run, Portland going on their run. Um, seemed like everybody was putting things together in New Orleans. When DeMarcus Cousins goes down and all of a sudden they take off, um, very unexpected, even Denver playing well down the stretch. Um, but the Wolves, you know, they, they just lost Jimmy at the wrong time. Now it should be said that, you know, before the, 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 the seven or – let's see, I think he, he, missed, he missed 23 games on the season, so they were 10 and 13 during that stretch um, over his three different spans that he missed games. And, you know, they were – I think they went seven and 10 the last stretch without him. But if you go back to the prior 17 games, uh, you know, they had the same record, seven and 10. So they weren't exactly playing great basketball even when Jimmy was healthy heading into the uh, all-star break. But – it's um, I, I think they would have fared much better with him being healthy. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of the crapshoot that you're caught with. I mean, look at Washington is a perfect example. They have all their money sunk into Porter, Beal, and Wall. And when one of those guys went down, like John Wall did, y- you have to take your lumps. They end up as the eighth seed, and they get knocked out in the first round. Um, you know, the Timberwolves had the same kind of thing happen. I think, I think a large part of this has to do with getting lucky with your key guys and keeping them healthy um, so that you don't have that kind of fate of falling into the eight seed. That's funny. Yeah, we just had uh, Dave Johnson on from the Washington Wizards uh, play-by-play team 
before yeah. you jumped on. Yeah, so it's a it's a weird comparison. I thought both teams really were better than what their seeding in the playoffs showed. Just those yeah. timely injuries. And um, one thing I did want to bring up, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he, we give him the max deal. And do I think he's worth it? Sure. Uh, I think we ink him long-term because he showed spurts of greatness. And he's a number one pick. And you don't want him going somewhere else. But there are games, and it's been pointed out on national television broadcasts whenever Dave and Jim aren't, aren't doing the commentary, that he just looks – sometimes he looks disinterested. And he looks like he's just yeah. kind of there. And that's an issue if you're a Wolves fan. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's been the topic of discussion here for, you know, four straight years now, um, ever since he got here. it's um, There are times where he disappears on the floor. You almost forget that he's out there because he hasn't had a touch at the offensive end, hasn't made an impact at the defensive end. Um, you know, it wasn't this year. I believe it was last year where I kind of tracked – some time, period of time like where he just he'll get you one or two rebounds and you're just thinking what how is that possible for a guy who's playing upwards of you know 40 minutes a night and he's as he's as athletic as he is playing the position he's at he should grab more than two three four rebounds I mean I I, you know, I finally kept track of the number of rebounds a number of games where he had five or more rebounds and that's I mean that's a terrifically low bar to set and still that number was really small and he went, he went a stretch of, of parts of three games without a single rebound, 60-something minutes without a rebound, which is just I, – I don't know how that happens. I think if any of us were out there for that period of time, the ball will just – I mean, at some point it's got to find you, right? Um, but that's been the frustrating thing with Andrew. He's shown great flashes, no doubt, and Jimmy Butler has talked about the incredible athleticism that he has. Jimmy says that he's one of the most athletically gifted players he's ever been around. And so, I mean, that says, that says something. But what also says something is that when he is out, he's in one of those stretches where he kind of disappears and um, he'll, he, he'll finish up with, you know, 14 points on, on, on 14 shots and he gets you two rebounds and zero assists, um, no steals, no blocks. I mean, it's just, you know, there are – and Tom Thibodeau has been preaching it for two years now that there are other ways to impact the game than just score. Sometimes a rebound is as important to winning as scoring points. Sometimes a steal or getting a stop or something that doesn't even show up in the box score, just a proper defensive rotation. Um, and, and, and there's just been too many lapses on that end. You know, what you need out of a guy who's, who's earning max money is to, be, is to be consistent and to be able to do all the things that a, that a complete max player is, is expected to do. And if, and if Andrew thinks that the heat, you know, he doesn't, he, he is in his own world um, I, he doesn't. I don't think reads a lot of stuff. I don't think the criticism gets to him. He's a very chill kind of guy, as most of the players have said this past year. But if 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 people think that the criticism on him has been harsh so far, just wait till that max contract kicks in. I mean, I just went to a Twins game today, and Joe Maurer still hears it, you know, and on the big money deal he signed, and having not quote unquote lived up to the expectations of that contract. Um, sometimes that is a that's a tough. That's a tough thing to handle when you get that much money. We'd all love to make, you know, huge money, but I don't think any of us want the criticism that comes with it. So you hope that Andrew is still at a young enough age that this is not who he is yet, um, but you're getting to a point four years in where at some point you, be, you are who you are in this league. Very few guys all of a sudden become this all-around player in year six, seven, and eight. Um, you hope that Andrew is still on that path rising up. Um, I think that's what the Timberwolves have banked on, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. 
Gotcha. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Carl Anthony Towns came out early um, with a slow start against the Rockets. Um, he 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 turned my head being a Philadelphian uh, during the and I brought this up with another T Wolf guest we had. Um, being a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan, being from uh, New Jersey originally, um, <laughs> so far enough to to wear Eagles garb uh, in Minnesota. Um, is that kind of a rib you guys, you know, talk about with him or, uh, you know, was that, was that taken pretty seriously out there in the Midwest? You know, it was interesting because, um, his teammates gave him a hard time for wearing all this Eagles gear. And some of the guys who have known him, um, even before his NBA days says, you know, kind of joked with Carl that he's a fair weather fan. I think Taj said that to me once on an interview and, um, you know, so I think they give him a hard time for that. I mean, I, I, I'll have to take him at his word that he's a diehard Eagles fan. I don't know if that's the case or not, but um, it it did rub some people the wrong way. I mean, this is, this is Vikings country. The NFL is big. Um, It's a monster. Um, There are more fans for the Vikings right now than there are for the twins and wild and and Timberwolves and gophers. Um, So, you know, with the Vikings going to Philadelphia and losing in the fashion in which they did and ruining the dream of possibly hosting a Super Bowl. Um, that was a tough pill to swallow for some people. And I think they did. I think they did on the one hand, Hey, you know, Kat, we think you're great. And we want you to be part of this team the whole time. We just maybe wouldn't like to see that Eagles gear on you right now. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I'll give him credit for sticking to his guns on that. Cause that's, that's a tough thing to do, but um, we won't hold you too much longer, Al, but I do want to ask one thing of you. Sure. Do you, and this is something I've asked Jim and I believe I've asked Dave as well. Do you think coach, Thibodeau's system because I see it on the Twitter all the time. Everybody's on there, even though he got us to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years, and he got Jimmy Butler to come here and play. And he, Derrick Rose, has looked like you know I won't say Derrick Rose of old, but Derrick Rose has stepped up and played well in the playoffs. People still every time fire Tibbs, fire Tibbs. Don't need Tibbs. Tibbs plays the guys. His Tibbs system where. He plays his guy, his starter, so many minutes and where he relies on slowing the ball down and not letting these guys be as athletic as they normally are. Is it not working in today's NBA, or are the Wolves just not good enough on the defensive side to allow his system to work? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a fair question. I, I think when – I think oftentimes we're all very quick to react on things and say, okay, that was a failure against the Rockets, and do we need to change, and is Tibbs the right coach? Um, but, you know, I've been with the Wolves now for 11 seasons, and I've seen plenty of change. I've seen front offices come and go. I've seen coaches come and go. Um, one thing that you look at with the good organizations is they have stability. And I, I don't think firing your head coach two years into a five-year deal and uprooting the entire coaching staff, the entire basketball operations staff, and, you know, for Glenn Taylor, you know, I, I know we, we're not concerned about how he spends his money with the team, so that's not a big problem for us, but I think it is for him to pay off all those people. You're talking about a complete upheaval, bringing in someone new, changing the system, doing all that. I, I am always very, very reticent to jump down that path um, unless it's not 100% sure, and I'm not 100% sure. I think, I think Tom Thibodeau has gotten this team from 31 wins, to 47 wins. Um, I don't think the defense in two years is, has been a shocker that the Wolves have not been better defensively. 
And I think that's um, a real cause for concern and some introspection that's got to, that they need to figure out why they haven't been better. Um, you know, they finished what 23rd or 22nd this year. That's up a few spots from last year. Um, you know, I've been really surprised that their offense has been so efficient, but it's got to involve more three point shooting. Cause here's the thing. When we got into that Houston series and, um, you get outscored by the, at the three-point line by, you know, an average of, what, six, seven made threes a game. That's, that's, that's too tough, too big of a margin to overcome. And the reason the Wolves had the fourth-ranked offense in the NBA was, yeah, they shot the ball well. They're a good shooting team. Taj was good, and Cat was good. They knocked down shots from the mid-range. Um, Wigan, uh, Butler was the number one shooter in the floater range in the paint. But they thrived on offensive rebounds and second-chance points. They thrived at outscoring their opponents at the free-throw line. They thrived in gaining possessions off of turnovers. They had a, the number one turnover differential in the NBA, which gave, gave them about three extra possessions a game. All those things tend to disappear when you get to the postseason. You can't rely on getting an offensive rebound. That's when teams are focused on, on grabbing a defensive rebound. Um, the teams aren't turning it over down the stretch. Um, and teams, you can't afford to rely on a whistle. You've got the essence of the game is to be able to hit a shot and to stop your opponents from hitting a shot. And so then I look at the effective field goal percentage because that's, you know, you cannot not look at the three-point line. It's got to be incorporated. I, I wish we just got rid of field goal percentage altogether, and I, th- I think fans are starting to understand effective field goal percentage more and more. I just think field goal percentage itself means absolutely nothing because you look at the Rockets in that postseason against the Wolves, they had a couple of games where they shot, what, 34, 35, 36%, but mm-hmm. they knocked down 15 threes. It, that's 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 the key number. You have to look at the effective field goal percentage. And the Wolves finished 13th in effective field goal percentage. And the opponent's effective field goal percentage, they ranked 27th. And that's that's a huge concern because when the game comes down to it, you're you're firing up twos and the other team is playing threes. And they have got to find a way to get better balance at that three-point line. It's been two straight years um, where Tibbs has talked about getting better at the three-point line, but it just hasn't happened. Um, and, and then I think defensively is you've got to make strides and you've got to be a top 15 defense. And I don't think that's, I didn't, I thought they'd be 15 to 20 his first year and be able to maybe be a top 10 defense this past year. But that just, um, that progression just hasn't happened. Go ahead, TR. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had to follow me. Um, for Minnesota going forward, um, uh, obviously there's speculation everywhere. Um, we just kind of kicked it around uh, about a month ago about the status of Kawhi Leonard. Um, mm. Obviously a top, you know, a two-way player, a top three player in the game uh, when he is the Kawhi Leonard that we're used to. This year was a strange year with not a lot of news coming out of San Antonio um, as to why other than a, a nagging injury that uh, they had, you know, differing um, – opinions on whether he was ready to go or not um in the event he he gets traded can and will minnesota pull the trigger and and make a a blockbuster move like that or or do you think they'll stand pat so it would be a it would be a trade then and you'd have to somehow match up you'd have to match up money so money um, right yeah i mean what you you I, i would not trade carmel anthony towns um, I don't think Jimmy Butler would be in that equation. So you're basically talking about trading Andrew Wiggins or some sort of package yeah. that involves him that, that gets you to Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be open. I'm, if, if, 
if I was ever a GM, I'd have my phone constantly open. Nobody would be blocked. You could you could toss any idea you wanted at me. Um, and if you gave me a chance to get Kawhi Leonard, um, and assuming he's he's healthy and his career is not in danger with that questionable thigh injury, um, oh yeah, I mean he's he's one of the elite players. Um, that would be that would be. I mean, uh, he would. Yeah, he's just he's just that good. He's that good. Um, yeah. yeah, I would do gotcha. I would do some sort of deal in a heartbeat. Gotcha. Well, Al, we want to thank you for jumping on here with us. Um, we know you've had a lot to do, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. And uh, even though you had to watch the Twins, I'm sorry about that. I know they haven't been very great this <laughs> hey, season. They, hey, they won today. Come on, they won. It was a four. Hey, they, they, they brought up they brought up their top prospect. Um, uh, what was his name? Mar- no, I don't even know his name. Was Romero. That, I think it was Romero. You're talking to the wrong guy on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I, I can't. Once I've been in, the, I've been in the NBA so long, I can't handle a sport that doesn't have a clock anymore. I just, baseball is just. I know it's the, the summer pastime and everything, but um, I, I need that clock counting me down. I need some. I need some. I need an end date on this thing. Uh, but they won today finally. But that's only their second win in the last what thirteen games. So, uh, I, I guess I saw one of the rare wins today. Well, thank you for coming on, and I want to. Remind you, uh, folks, to follow him. Uh, go ahead and tell them, Alan, where they can find you at on Twitter and keep up with you and all that. Well, since I do Wolves Radio, we decided to make the Twitter handle at Wolves Radio. Really simple. And uh, we try to try to put out all the latest information and uh, links to all of our uh, press conferences and all that kind of stuff. So you'll find all that kind of good stuff there and all sorts of uh, news and notes. And, hey, we got, we got, a, le- we got a summer of a World Cup coming up. I, I've been known to tweet about the World Cup, too. So, uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big soccer fan, international soccer fan, so I can't wait for that. Yeah, the World Cup's always fun. And I'll go ahead and tell you, Alan, if you need somebody to come to Minnesota and help you out in the radio game, you just give me a call. I've got a little radio experience. So nice. if you need a little if you need a hick accent to kind of call the game. There he goes. <laughs> hey. That's I think what we've been missing. The hick accent is something we desperately needed. This West Virginia accent, the people in Minnesota <laughs> would love it. They would <laughs> love it. Right. Yeah, and I'll bring out my catchphrase. I'll bring out my baby, catchphrase baby. I use on local high school games of he shot it from the Wendy's parking lot. That's my catchphrase down here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Thank hey, you great so much for jumping on about. with us. We really appreciate you and hope to have you back on here in the coming future. If anything happens, we'll uh, we'll be in touch and we'll talk a little more Wolves yeah. ball. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial timeout really fast, and we'll be right back after this. Hello, my name is Kennedy Miller, and I'm a beauty guide for Limelight by Alcone. We are a professional makeup company now being offered to the public after over 60-plus years in the industry. My website is limelifebyalcone.com backslash makeupkennedy. I can also be found on Facebook as Makeup Kennedy. To contact me about products or joining my team, you can email me at makeupkennedy at yahoo.com. I'll be waiting to hear from you. All right, Makeup Kennedy, one of our sponsors here on the show. Also want to give a big thank you and shout out to Stephen P. New Law Offices. That's newlawoffice.com. Consult him for all of your legal needs, Mr. New can travel all over the United States. He's a national attorney, specializes in cases of mesothelioma, anything to do with any kind of, if you've been wronged in a hospital, where you're given uh, 
some even some uh, bad mesh in your in your legs. I know they do some meshing and things of that nature. Any kind of lawyer that you need, Steve New is the guy to call. Uh, you can reach him again. That's newlawoffice.com for Stephen P. New Law, and he's been so great. He was he was going to try and come on with us tonight, but a man as busy as him was called into a deposition, so he couldn't join us. We hope to have him next week on the show. Again, newlawoffice.com or 1-888-692-8084 for your free consultation. I've got TR with me and back on the line, our buddy Jeff. What's up? I just watching this game. This became a battle just like I thought it would. Um, yeah, 80-79 to 79 right now, the Jazz lead. Um if you're the Jazz, this has got to be disheartening. You come in there and you have a 19-point lead, but for Houston, that's a minute and a half. <laughs> well, Jazz yeah. are shooting 50% from uh, behind the arc, and as the guy was talking about a while ago, uh, Minnesota's guy, uh, yeah, Alan he, he was talking about how the Rockets shoot a lot of threes. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Right now, they're six of 21, and it's not even 30%. Yet they're still in the game. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's Rockets. how their offense is. They either they either shoot threes or layups. You know, that's you well. Know, that's, take that's take that's a look at this. Rockets six of twenty two from the free throw line. Uh, Jazz nine of fifteen. The Houston Rockets are going to get to the free throw line, folks. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there, you can guarantee there are three teams in this league that are going to get to the free throw line: the Houston Rockets, the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now. If we take a look back, T.R., at that game seven between Cleveland and Indiana, what was a key stat that showed up? Indiana shot 22 free throws. The Cavs shot 40, and it was a three-point game. And uh, LeBron James had three shots during that very regular foul yep. um, on Lance Stevenson early in the game. And – you know, is that a flagrant? The refs went to Secaucus and, you know, made a big hubaloo. Um, and, of course, Lance Stevenson, the loose cannon, you know, if you if you spend more than 10 seconds on a, on a situation like that in the heat of the moment, he's going to say something. So it turned out being a, a regular foul for two shots and a technical. So LeBron had three free throws uh, on just a basic foul drive in the lane. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, it was a foul. Uh, resembling a flagrant foul. Yeah, um, foul. but nothing remotely resembling a flagrant foul. But it, it, it all adds up in the in the end of, uh, you know, in the uh, when the final buzzer goes and and, and the last whistle. The, the, it's let's face it. Since uh, as long as I've been watching, well, maybe not way back when, but uh, in the Jordan era, the stars get the calls, and you really got to play. Uh, Excellent basketball, and, and and totally not that let not let that be a factor, but it, you know, it sadly is, and it's a reality. Um, but think, think uh, about this. Is. Here's another stat from last night: uh, Golden State, New Orleans Pelicans. What a, a a great game! New Orleans had a great game plan. They were out executing on offense before um, Golden State even got back on defense. They had a fantastic plan, and. Um, you know, uh, Golden State, they didn't – I don't know see either. They shot 13 of 40 from three, 32% from three. New Orleans went 13 of 37. So, New Orleans actually shot the better percentage. 
Um, here was the stat that jumped out at me. Golden State, 22 of 27 at the free throw line, okay? 22 of 27. You, do you have any idea what the Pelicans shot at the free throw line? Uh, I don't, but at least 10 less attempts, I'm sure, right? Seven of nine. Yikes. Nine. 27 to nine attempts at the free throw line. Now, here's here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't want to tell me, and it, I know the Stars get the calls, but there's a little something wrong with that stat line. Don't you think? Like, I could see if it was 27 to 21 or, or you know, 27. Like, the Raptors-Cavs um, game was actually pretty pretty even on the free throw line. But if you ever go back and look at the free throw line, or the free throw percentage uh, attempts, I should say, take a look at the team that's got the superstar, and then take a look at the team that doesn't have the, the big superstar. Like, Anthony Davis is a star, but he's not Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. He's not that guy. So, look at that nine free throw attempts to 27, and the game was a six-point game. Tell me that I believe, doesn't play a uh, they're just settling for – they're not driving to the basket, Nathan, and settling for threes and dump shots. Uh, I watched a lot of the game, and, I mean, when it came to that, I guess, I guess they were kind of soft to my eyes. But I kind of see – I mean, that is a big discrepancy, 27 to 9. I mean – that's and I'm not shots. saying that they should have got 27 foul shots. I'm not saying it should be even every game. Right. But when you have a discrepancy of 27 to 9 and you have the Cavs who are shooting 40 and Indiana's shooting 22, are the refs giving the Stars too many calls? How many times do we see James Harden, you know, take a step into the paint and just fall face first and, you know, three whistles blow? I'm not saying he doesn't get fouled sometimes, because he does. But are there times where he's just flopping? LeBron's the biggest flopper in the world. And but Jeff Van Gundy even called him out on that, which he does quite well. Often. I mean, and Jeff Van Gundy, I hate Jeff Van Gundy, but I agree with him on that. It's, it's like it's getting to the point now where guys don't want to play defense because if you play defense and you play good defense, you're going to end up getting in foul trouble. It's it's really getting sad. It's it's and I think the refs are getting a little out of hand with the stars because last night LeBron played uh, or the, the Cavs played the Raptors. Fred Van Fleet goes in for and boxes out LeBron. Now Fred Van Fleet, everybody's going who? Well, here you'll understand why you say who. He boxes out LeBron. LeBron takes his arm and pushes him. Van Fleet's got an arm because he's boxing out. And that's legal. Then. LeBron pushes him away from him. After he tangled him up, Van Fleet gets up after being pushed and looks at LeBron and kind of sizes him up, right? Eyeballs him, maybe runs his mouth. LeBron, Van Fleet gets the technical. <laughs> or not the technical, he gets a foul. He gets a foul called on him for successfully boxing out LeBron. Like, what? It makes no sense. <laughs> If you go back and watch the play, you'll see it. It's like, that's not a foul. How was that a foul? And then LeBron shooting free throws on the other end on a re- on this dude who boxed him out. Like, come on. Doesn't well, make sense, but it makes dollars and cents with that new TV deal that they just got a year ago and a, a gazillion dollar deal. They don't want Fred Van Fleet uh, advancing to the yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference final. 
But uh, that's just mm-hmm. all I have to say about. Or upstaging the king, like he said. That's uh, you know, uh, and that's I think Nathan. Uh, you know, he was talking. I think Tr was talking about the Jordan era a while ago. There's you know, there's a lot of people that don't that watched then when Bird Magic played, which Bird Magic I believe saved the NBA and took or took it to bigger heights. But I believe that there's a lot of people that don't watch that because they anymore because of that. Uh, and they don't like the brand, the NBA. And, you know, NBA's uh, extended internationally a lot, gained a lot. But around, you know, around the United States, there's a lot of people that watched. I know good and well. I don't. I just don't. The people will say, well, I just don't watch that. I don't like it. I'd rather watch college or, you know, something of that nature, which, you know, is still a popular game. But there's, you know, just hearing people talk, you know, people in their 30s and 40s and early 50s that watched her during the 80s and 90s, uh, you know, they just – and because of that reason, they feel like there's too many star calls, uh, especially with, uh, you know, LeBron and the Warriors. They want to make sure, you know, last year we had the trilogy, uh, you know. So maybe it's uh, – maybe you might have something there, but uh, I just know there's I, – I know – I mean, I used to love the NBA uh, then and now, uh, you know, I watch – you know, I watched some during the season because I play a fantasy, you know, fantasy basketball. But, uh, but then, you know, during playoffs, I watch a lot then. But, you know, there's four or five teams that's going to be there. Uh, and like it's always been that way. But. It's yeah, just, it's, it's unfortunate. Just annoying. It's just annoying to see is, is my thing. Because I think the refs nowadays are taking the um, – at times, they're taking teams out that are, like, if you look at them on paper, the Toronto Raptors are 12 players deep. So the Toronto Raptors are the best team in the yeah. Eastern Conference. They are better than the Cavaliers. I have hoped that they will beat the Cavaliers. However, the Cavaliers, when we look back on this series, and I will keep a track, the Cavaliers will shoot way more free throws. Than Toronto will. You can mark that down, and I'm and everybody's like, "Oh, it's two different styles of play." No, I see Demar Derozan drive the lane, and I see LeBron drive the lane. Guess who gets more whistles? Uh, the star. I mean, the superstar. Exactly. Yeah. So there's just times when I feel like the refs are doing too much, and the league says they want to stop tanking, they want to stop flopping, or they would find guys for flopping. Well. If that didn't really work out, now has it? Because I see James Harden look; he looks like he's doing a dive off the Olympic diving boards every time he runs in to the paint. I miss the days of good old Bill Lambeer. I miss him <laughs> knocking the piss out of people. You want to drive in on me? Here, boom! I miss it. Why can't we have that? Why can't we have guys who are in the paint? And if you're going to drive in and try to lay the ball up, just absolutely knock somebody's dick in the dirt. I'm I'm fed up with soft calls. I'm fed up with players helping each other up and hugging before the games. That's why this playoffs has been a lot more fun because I feel like people actually don't like each other. There's too much sportsmanship. These guys are all buddies on Twitter, and they all get together and talk. He's like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool if you come play with me, Kevin. It'd be fun out here in in Golden State if we got Durant to come play, even though we won 73 games. That's (laughs) horseshit. I'm fed up with it. Why can't we get – an NBA where Magic – do you think if Magic and Bird would have had to play together, they'd have got along? Hell no. They just said, don't bring him in here. You got me. Why do you need him? No, they didn't want that. 
I think they both would have known it was bad for the NBA if they would have been together. They would have clearly you know, shot when that you, down. When you stack teams like that, like Houston has done, like Golden State has done, Cleveland attempted to. It didn't really work this year, but look, when you stack teams like Golden State did, everybody's like, well, Golden State was a team we all used to root for back when they had Steph and Clay, and then they won a title and Durant went there, and now everybody hates them. Right. You have, you have a team that's shooting 45 threes a game, and you can have two of your stars have an off night, and you can still win by 20. Yeah. It's, it's just not fun. Like, I just miss the days of not knowing. And even when the Bulls were winning, they at least had to go six. Yeah. And you didn't know. Yeah. You know? And they, they, they had just, some stiff competition. Like, the Jazz put them on the brink a couple times. Uh, the Sonics, they did. The Sonics was one of the most underrated teams in 1916. They had been playing anybody else. They would have won the championship. I mean, it's just they yep. had to go up against Jordan. I mean, they were a great team. That they won sixty four, sixty five games that year. Yeah, they was overshadowed by the seventy two games that the Bulls won. So, what do you think on that, Tr? Uh, I think you're shot out of a cannon tonight. Uh, for one, interesting to see the Nate Fire come up during the uh, playoff season. But, but yeah, I mean, you can't disagree. There's, there's certainly. Uh, a discrepancy in, in the free throws. And uh, I don't know how that's going to play out in, in my 76ers series because they are the darling uh, team nationally now. They're the new star. And the Brad Stevens coached Boston Celtics are down Kyrie and are down, obviously, from the first game of the season, Gordon Hayward. And, and Jalen Brown is still doubtful listed uh, last I looked. So, so the star power uh, – wasn't a factor because uh, Boston, quite frankly, shot the lights out of it with Terry Rozier and so forth. But uh, that that will be an interesting series to see because I'm sure the networks, and in no means am I, am I intimating or just straight up saying that games are fixed and so forth, but uh, the refs do seem to call it a little tighter on one side of the, of one side of the court for sure. Hey, Nathan, I, you were, you're onto that, you know, this buddy system thing. I remember watching. This was probably this time last year during the playoffs. I was watching uh, Calhoun, and he had uh, Kenya Martin on there. That's when the uh, George Carl and that stuff was coming out. But they, he kind of talks about that. And then he went into that, and Martin even said, you know, there's too much of a buddy system going on right now. He said that, you know, whenever he played in the late nineties, early two thousands. So you didn't you didn't hear people saying, "Oh, I won't get it with this guy." You know, people you actually want to beat. These guys want to play together and have a monopoly. Well, yeah, I mean, what's yeah, the point in playing together when, when like, don't you want to be the best or, or at least prove that you're the best? Like, look at it this way: Is LeBron so good that all these other teams are okay with saying, "Eh, let's just get a few of us together and play and." I don't care to be second or third best or to have people look at my team and go, you know, in 20 years, we're all going to look back at Golden State and be like, well, hell, how, what, you know, if they didn't win, what were they doing? You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Well, I would want to be on well, a team and to prove that, that my team, I can lead this team against the best. And I want to prove that I am the best and get better, not be lazy. Cause I'll be honest, Kevin Durant has gotten so lazy since he went to Golden State. He is the laziest player. All he does now, he used to create his own shots. He used to have to cre- um, run a play, run in a system. Now he just runs and shoots threes. He doesn't even drive very much anymore. 
Yeah, he was eating a meatball sandwich last night, uh, like Magnificent Morocco back in the day while he was playing. But um, <laughs> but to to your to your point uh, about you know uh, body body system as uh, Jeff said and and friends playing on you know tweeting to play on each other's team and 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 things of that nature. It's it it, it proves your point. You know, last night just 24 hours ago around this time, uh, maybe a little bit later. But uh, the biggest, you know, heated feud is a retired Charles Barkley (laughs) and Draymond Green. Uh, Charles saying he wanted to punch him in the face just due to his style of play as opposed to, you know, Anthony Davis. or uh, Actually, credit where it's due, uh, Rondo is a psychopath. He wiped his sweat on the ball that the Warriors (laughs) were shooting. And, and and things like that. So so Rondo's old school, and he's he's, he's a crazy person, which he is had great. no choice it's to good. be old school playing in the system he played in with Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen. He he was brought up that way. Well, that's like doctoring yeah. baseball. I, I would think whenever he did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got a curveball in that foul shot. But yeah, um, other other than that, yeah, it's 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 like you know, it's Draymond Green doing a thing or two, and uh, you know. I don't want to say he's a dirty player, but he's certainly a aggressive player and uh, goes to another place on the floor. And, you know, yeah, maybe if Boogie Cousins were still with the Pelicans, uh, there might be a little uh, pushback. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, uh, point taken, Nate, point taken. Nathan, Draymond the Green. I really wanted to call was on Draymond. I, haven't, uh, I mean, I, I mean do, you, do you all think that he's like a big – Superstars. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think he could wash Barkley's car. I mean, Barkley. I thought was a really. I mean, I never liked Barkley, and uh, I don't like Green either. But I mean, I don't think. I mean, I think Barkley's above and beyond a better player than what Green is, and uh, I think they're kind of like when their attitudes and stuff, like uh, PR was saying, their aggression and stuff. I think they're kind of they're kind of like the same type of player. Although I don't think Draymond could have played in those days. He would have been. I think. Barkley and like Rodman and especially the Pistons like Mahorn and Lambert like you were talking about earlier were getting his head more so than what some of these guys. I mean, he, I think he's lucky to be on a team with Durant, Clay and Curry. Really, they're all lucky to be together. But I think he's more a facilitator, and um, I just don't. I, I think he's. You know, I think he's. I, you know, one of those type of guys where you'd like to buy him what he thinks he's worth and sell him what he's really worth. You know, you can make a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think he's that important to him. And a lot of people say, well, had he played game five of that, the one series where the Cavs came back and beat them, they may have won. But, you know, he played game six and seven, too, and they <laughs> and they lost those games. So Draymond uh, Green. Draymond Green is the cockiest fourth option I've ever seen. Yeah. I've never seen a guy who's the number four on a team. Like this, to me, if you, if you compare it to the old days, and I, I'm going to use my Timberwolves as a reference here. It would be like Troy Hudson being cocky. And if anybody out there knows who Troy Hudson is, pat yourself on the back. Draymond Green, guard, right? he was. He was a shooting guard, actually. Okay. Like, Draymond Green is so lucky that he is on the biggest stacked team of all time. Because if a team was led by Draymond Green, they wouldn't win 20 games if he was their number one option. Right. Draymond Green is a six foot seven guy who's playing center in the NBA. 
And the reason he's playing center is because he's got three of the best shooters to ever touch the basketball. Put this dude right now, take him, and just give him to Brooklyn or give him to Atlanta. Do you know what they get? Another lottery pick. He <laughs> is not anywhere near as good as he thinks he is. He likes to taunt, and the refs don't call it because he. they said, oh, well, Draymond didn't make eye contact. That was great on his part. He was looking up. If he'd have made eye contact, he'd have got a technical. You know what? Fuck Draymond Green and his cocky <laughs> attitude, and I'd like to punch him in the face, and I'm not going to apologize for it, Draymond Green. You're a fuck. You're overrated. You are a guy who was drafted in the second round with good reason. You just happened to fall to the right team, and you couldn't touch Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis makes you look like a bitch in the post, and you're pretty awful when it comes to that in the process. So I'll say this. If you really think you're as good as you are, why don't you leave Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and go somewhere that's not very good and show me how good you are. Go out there and play a little basketball and actually have to do a little work and play the small forward position where you belong and lead a team. You can't lead a team because you're a thug goon pussy. Wow. Wow. Feels how you really feel. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Uh, his mother responded to Charles Barkley, and uh, uh, hopefully we have enough uh, – you know, uh, of a fan base now where I can get that Nate Bush rant and maybe set up a celebrity boxing match with one of my local promoters. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably still kick my ass. He is in good shape. I'm not, but. <laughs> maybe just one hit. That's all you need. One hit. <laughs> any, man with, any man with two hands has a fighting chance. Yeah, you're right, Nathan. He's a good facilitator because uh, those guys are going to shoot the lights out. So oh, yeah. One I mean, yeah. He gets a lot of assists and stuff. I, could, I could average 10 assists on that team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, this would be like Tony Kukos going out a little bit. and running his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I got I to gotta not, not wholeheartedly disagree, but – you know, because of his demeanor and the way he conducts himself and so forth, he's he's easy to uh, fire up people. I, I I don't think he's quite as as a non-factor um, as we're as we're speaking about. Uh, certainly, if he showed up in the teams you mentioned or or say Phoenix, uh, it wouldn't be much of an impact. But it, he he his style of play, his talent level, what he does was the perfect fit in Golden State and uh, you know for his career staying in that in that atmosphere would be most beneficial in another team yeah you're right he's not a number 1 and uh not even probably a number 2 but uh he he's still a very good player uh for what he does uh, if that makes any sense um do I like him as a player not really uh, I never said he was a bad I, player, by the way. I didn't say he was no, bad. Uh, he's not. But he's you said a, he was the cockiest fourth option. But uh, <laughs> well, in, he is. In, in, in the in that in on that team, you know, it'd be very very difficult for anybody to be to crack the top three options uh, with with KD and and Steph up top and Clay's. You know, Clay's a superstar anywhere he goes, and and he's he's just the third guy, which is you know they're they're so stacked, but. Um, I believe Draymond's a good player. I also believe uh, a little bit of what you're saying, a little bit of what Charles is saying, a little bit of what Jeff's pointing out, um, that in the Lambeer and Rick Mahorn and uh, Charles Oakley, et cetera, era, 
maybe he wouldn't be so uh, animated and loud and wrestling people on the floor. And uh, that habit he had last year, which he seemed to calm down a little bit, of kicking people in the nuts. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, he's a pretty good player. Well, I'll say this. I, I didn't mean to get so worked up um, about that. But when you get worked up, oh, wow. uh, we recommend that you check out wowfreecam.com. They are our sponsor here on the show. When hey, when you're worked up and you need to, to uh, when you need to take a load off, this is the place to visit. Wowfreecam.com is everything you need. Must be 18 or older to visit the site. They are our sponsor from the beginning, and we thank them so very much for all they do for us. So remember, the next time you get fired up, where you need to visit. Check out wowfreecam.com. Are you going there after being fired up? <laughs> Maybe. Wouldn't you like to know? All right. Uh, hey, uh, TR, I just had a quick quick question for TR. Uh, a guy and I at work today were talking, how is the pick that the Sixers are getting? Is there, stip- there stipulations? They get if it's number one or six or seven for the Lakers pick. Is that correct? Above yeah, it's two to, five, two to five protected, uh, and that's not <laughs> – the Sixers, as as we've went through ad nauseum with that uh, Sam Hankey regime, is so confusing because they had it seemed like nine thousand second round picks and assets if this happened and if that happened. But uh, we are in pretty good standing, and I read today we have a one percent chance of getting the number one overall. Um, so, uh, and Adam Silver mentioned, I'm not sure if he's implementing it in uh, this upcoming draft or it's the season after, but they're they're going to try to stop teams from tanking any way they can. And, and he had mentioned that the percentages for the worst overall record uh, as far as ping pong balls in the lottery system, the way it goes, uh, I think it's currently 25% if you're the worst team, and I think he's knocking it down to 13%, which, you know, is better for the league and give me less of a reason to complain. But, uh, you know, uh, I can't say you wouldn't, as a Philadelphian, as a Sixer fan, I, I can't say I wouldn't want number one, but I, I just don't see any glaring guys coming out that would fit our needs right now. Um but of course, I'm blinded by the current series. Do you do you see anything like Markel Fultz? Ideally, a guy create his own shot of some, but you know something we needed. And I understand the logic, although I didn't like the pick. Um, so I, unless I'm not thinking of anybody right now, do you see anybody uh, that could create their own shot? I, I'm not a big Trey Young fan, at least for immediate impact. Um, do you see anybody, Jeff, that that would fit that mold? Have, have if in the event we got a, a great uh, early pick. I believe, well, um, I believe there was a, I can't remember his name, was there a Kentucky player, which, you know, Kentucky usually has um, some guys. I thought that they might have had a guy coming out. Knox? Here. It might have been. Yeah, Knox is good. Yeah. I'm not, uh, uh, actually, you know what? I, I just thought of one that we brought up that I uh, that slipped my mind. Colin Sexton would be a, a good player to come to the Sixers. I mean, that's. You know, the rich getting richer, and uh, it's a dream situation, but, but sure, I mean, um, I know the Dallas's and the Memphises of the world would really, uh, the city's fan base, the organizations would be angry if Philadelphia ended up with the number one pick, but, um, you know, uh, we could probably get Sexton not even number one if we can just 
you know, get close. So, uh, yeah, so Kyle Sexton six. out of Alabama would be a nice addition. Yeah, so they have six. They either can get number one or it has to be six or above. The Celtics have it's, two through five. If it yeah, the way. Celtics get the pick if it's two through five, and the Sixers get it if it's one or six through 30. Now, the, so, if they don't get it this year, then they get the Kings next year. Is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't get it this year. They yeah. get the Kings pick next year. And they have like eight, seven, or eight second round picks, right? Oh yeah, they've got <laughs> second round picks. Three or four years. <laughs> now, yeah, I think they got them for the next thirty. Yeah. Yeah, they've got enough second round picks, which basically they can trade to the Knicks for a million dollars, which is what the Knicks do every year. Do you all but, think that's uh, why Hinky got ran? Do you all think that the NBA forced the Seventy Sixers to get rid of Hinky because they was embarrassed by the tanking? They made. Do you think that's what really happened? I can answer that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> You're opening up it, a can of worms. <laughs> no, nah, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to belabor the point, but yeah, um, it was almost like, come on now, you, you know, he, he his system was, you know, I hate to use the word, process came out of Nate's mouth uh, without him knowing it at one point earlier in the show, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't a trust uh, wasn't included, so I, you know, I was still lighthearted tonight. But, um, but yeah, he was his his system was so glaringly obvious as, as to what he was doing. I mean, it, it, had he uh, had he and the uh, organization just said we're going through a rebuild and maybe uh, kept a player or two that was above, you know, the G League uh, developmental league talent. And, uh, you know, had had made some feeble attempt. He stumbled on to T.J. McConnell and Robert Covington, uh, who ended up, you know, winning some games, or, or they would have been probably the worst team in the history of basketball, possibly not winning five games. Uh, they ended up winning ten games two seasons ago. And the turnaround is remarkable. But, but yeah, uh, long-winded answer to your question, absolutely. Adam Silver came in and uh, appointed – Brian's dad, Jerry Colangelo, to kind of just uh, – they're tight-lipped, but it seemed like Jerry came in to kind of just snoop around in the, and to see how operations were going. And then ultimately Brian Colangelo was uh, – I don't know how they phrased it, but they were kind of working together. And Hanky knew that uh, at that point he was being phased out and they were going in a different direction. Thank God. And because, uh, you know, we'd still be doing that – still be waiting and I'm getting older and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. By the time Hinky got a team together with all those quote unquote assets, you know, I might've been not here to see it. So I'm, I'm glad he's gone. And, uh, they, they kind of pushed him out, even though he technically resigned with a 13 page letter, but I might add, but yeah, good riddance, Mr. Hinky. Just a positive. Ah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Quick update right now. The Utah Jazz lead the Houston Rockets 104-96. to uh, with Wow, don't, five don't, don't let them steal one in Houston. If they do, they're going to – I'm telling you, that, that could turn into a series that will be very surprising indeed if that happens. Um, we got a guest joining us here in the next couple of minutes uh, from he'll, – he'll be jumping on. We're going to talk playoff basketball with him. Uh, we kind of addressed the New Orleans game last night. I thought they had a good good game plan going into game two after they just got smacked in the mouth in game one. Um, I look for them to get one in New Orleans, but I think it's Warriors in five. Um, 
it's just setting up the inevitable. Unless Utah can make it interesting, which it looks like they might, um, I think the, the Rockets and uh, the Warriors are on a collision course, and you're going to see what – I'm just going to watch a video of the uh, 19 – probably the 1989 uh, three-point contest, which would basically be the same thing as watching the Rockets and the Warriors play basketball. Uh, oh, man, big three. A lot of threes, <laughs> a lot of threes. The Jazz are just, up 12 now with four and change. It's going to be uh, – if the Jazz get this one, that, that series going to Utah could get really interesting really quick. And, you know, the Jazz in the first game that they played, um, they only lost 110 to 96, which against Houston with Harden putting up 41, that's uh, – they should actually be very proud of that. They didn't have Rubio in that game. Jeff, I'm not watching the game. Is Rubio playing tonight? I haven't seen him out there at all. They've had Burks in there. That could, be, that could explain uh, why they're making threes. Um, <laughs> and they've had somebody uh, else come in. But Ingles yeah, played a big game. Yeah, Exum's played 13 minutes tonight, so Rubio not playing. So as long as Rubio's not playing, there is a hope um, <laughs> for the Jazz. I had a point. Oh, you're hard on your board. I had a point on, I had a point on um, the Sixers earlier, which uh, – you know this this show's been slam bam. We we've we've had a lot of action so far, but the five for twenty six. Uh, in the case of Houston, they just keep chucking them up, and you know they got when you got guys like Harden. Um, you know, I understand the the volume of three pointers, and you know the Eric Gordons of the world, and and even Chris Paul, et cetera. <clears throat> But when you're the Philadelphia Sixers and you get cold like they did against uh, Boston in game one, I mean ice cold. I don't know, man. They're they're not the Warriors. They're not the Rockets. And the game's changed, and it's based on the three-point shot in, in this day and age, in this era, as far as how successful you go in most cases. But when you're, when you're, you're missing and you're missing badly uh, in, a, in a case of a Dario Sarge or a Robert Covington or – you know, whoever you, you mentioned that Joel Embiid actually went out there and made a couple. I, I I think that was a statement from him, like, "Yo, guys, let me show you how to do it. Chill out a little bit." But I mean, I might switch the game plan when you got a dominant guy like Joel Embiid, and you got a guy like Simmons who can, when he when he focuses, can drive and take anybody who can at least, at the very least, draw a foul. I mean, when do you stop when you're not a Houston or a Golden State? With I mean. Five for 26, it was almost embarrassing. And that's what hurt the most. It was almost embarrassing to watch because then, you know, you come up the other end, and as I mentioned earlier, Aaron Baines would throw up a three and it would go in. And Marcus Smart, and you know, name the player. And Rozier is obviously, you know, a more skilled three-point shooter than the other two I mentioned. So he was draining them and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but when do you stop? I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys can give me an answer. I'm just kind of venting on, on, on the Sixers. Five for twenty-six performance. I mean, I—that's an adjustment I'd make. I, I would say work it down to Joel and let's get a rhythm going, and then maybe kick after we get back in this game. You know what I mean? I re- but I really don't think you're all going to shoot that poorly the next game. I really think you're all going to have to win either game two or game five to win the series. Uh, you're—I don't think if it does go to seven games, that Boston's going to lose at home. I think the chances. Uh, I think I think really think you all can win game two though. Uh, I don't think they're going to shoot that poorly once again. Reddick and then that's it's just uh, I believe it's just they get it about their system. Maybe butterflies game one or whatever. I think you guys will play a lot better game two. Well, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, 
Jeff, I'm going to slide you over on hold here, if that's all right. All right. Um, we are joined now by our guest, our last guest of the evening, uh, from Bleacher Fan, if I'm saying that correctly, Bleacher Fan Sports, um, BleacherFan.com. And according to his Twitter page, if you can gamble on it, he'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my man, Jones. What's up, man? How you doing? Good to How be you in there, man. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Watching a little right. playoff What's happening? What's happening, doing, Jones? Man? You want to bet on you want to bet on six or Celtics tomorrow? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll consider any and all bets. <laughs> I'm true to my Twitter profile. Well, uh, Jones runs like we said, Bleacher Fan, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit. But first, I want to get his take on what's been going on tonight. The Utah Jazz. Uh, leading right now the Houston Rockets with under three to play. But Houston for 10, 45 seconds. So uh, what's your thoughts on the Jazz and the Rockets thus far in the series and in this game? Um, I mean, it's an exciting series. I, I think the Jazz are one of those teams that you you almost think could, you know, the way they're playing, maybe make a little bit of a run in this series. Um, Houston, you know, they look pretty dominant in the game one, but here we are we in game two, and Utah's, you know, got the lead, possibly coming away with a win on Houston's floor. Um, so that's a, that's a game changer in terms of the series. Utah takes place or takes back home court advantage, and Utah is not an easy place to play. It's one of the loudest arenas in the league. It's the only team they got in the area, so that that's a tough place to play. I mean, I still think, you know, Houston kind of gets it together and probably takes it home in six, um, but – uh, it's it's a exciting game, and you know this this game right now, game two has been such such a teeter totter back and forth. You know, Utah came out running up twenty something, and then Houston comes all the way back, goes up six or seven, and now we're now we're back up to Utah lead. It's been a it's been a real whirlwind of a game, and uh, kind of a resets the tone for the series, I think. Yeah, what a what a story with Utah this season. Um, Nate and I gave Quinn Snyder the coach of the year. I'm sure Brad Stevens is going to be up there and a, and a number of others. Uh, but Utah, uh, Utah rather, I, I in the first series, I, I said, don't let them steal. To echo your point, I said, don't let them steal a game in OKC because uh, historically Utah – even when the roster was down, I mean, I I attributed it to a lot of the things you mentioned, and and quite possibly the altitude thing that's always brought up in Denver and football. I mean, I don't know if that's a factor, but it just seems like the two hardest places uh, of of non championship teams to play uh, year in and year out are if you know you're going to Denver and you know you're going to Utah, you're going to be in for a battle. So uh, this year's Rockets team like we said earlier and and as evidenced in this game in, in a 2 minute span can go on a you know 150 run which is uh just unique and by the same token if they're cold and and you're playing your game you can make it a blowout so uh, i'm a little optimistic a little uh, in fact a lot more optimistic about utah and the possibility of you know I, i'm not going to jump out and say advancing but this could go seven if uh, if if they you know hold on tonight, which I think it's pretty much winding down. And uh, if uh, if I'm correct, um, but yeah, um, 
you know, the networks obviously wouldn't like that too much if uh, they didn't get their Houston Golden State um, Western Conference final. But, but yeah, Utah's a very, very, very tough place to play. Well, the Cavs and the Raptors uh, series has been really interesting uh, with game one going into overtime, and I knew when – that game went into overtime after Toronto. They could not score at the end of the of the fourth quarter. They were struggling. They missed three tip-ins at the, the end of the fourth to win it, and it was really just disheartening. You could tell the breath had been taken out of them, and you knew going into overtime they didn't stand much of a chance. Uh, what do you think about game two tomorrow night? And it's a 6 p.m. game um, as Toronto takes on Cleveland. What do you think of game two do you think Cleveland gets another one, or is Toronto going to get one back? I mean, at this point, I think Toronto's playing for their season. Um, you really, uh, they really have a shot going back to Cleveland down down two zero. I don't, I don't, I don't see that as being a fruitful operation for them. But um, I mean, game one, it was it was unbelievable what they did in the fourth. They were three for fourteen on shots inside five feet. Uh, Toronto was, and you just, that's like, it's the worst, I think that's the worst uh, field goal percentage in that range in NBA history. Um, So when you have a performance like that, I mean, that's like such a tough pill to swallow in a game when you really had Cleveland right where you wanted them. Um, It's just this this mental block for, for Toronto. They they see LeBron on the floor and they can't, they can't get over the hump. Um, But I, I expect, I expect Toronto to come out and, play for their lives and, and squeak out another, another close win. Um, I, I don't think they have a blowout in them, but I could be wrong. I, I, I hope we see much of a, a, a better series. I don't want to see this series end in, you know, five or six games. I would love to see a seven-game classic series here, but I just don't know if Toronto can get over the mental hump of LeBron. Um, but, yeah, game two is everything for them. It's make or break. Uh, tomorrow night we also see uh, my Philadelphia 76ers on the road against the uh, injury-plagued but well-coached Boston Celtics. I uh, it, it was rough watching that game for me coming off a uh, high of winning 20 of the last 21 games here. Um, now, you met, Nate mentioned in your intro about if you can bet on it, I will um, kind of thing. And, you know, I've been known to make a wager or two in the past uh, I didn't catch, and if 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 I if I misread the description, I apologize. But I didn't catch the line on tomorrow. But I, I know Philadelphia was favored in the series. Um, we're not going to shoot as our caller Jeff mentioned five for twenty six again. Uh, I don't want to drink all the Kool Aid uh, to mix uh, wagering and fandom together, and, and you know just outright say that we're going to you know I got very cocky in game one and uh, we fell flat. But I, I, I strongly feel Philadelphia is going to come out with a vengeance tomorrow and really, really play a lot better than they did in game one and come out with a victory. Your thoughts? I, I actually agree with you. I like Philly tomorrow night, and I like them in the series. Um, I think that was just kind of a – game one was a, a wake-up punch in the mouth um, and testament to, to Brad Stevens specifically. Uh, Boston, they could be getting Brown back, but I, I just don't think – over over a seven game series, I think Boston don't, don't they don't have the the ability to keep up with Philly. Um, it, the injuries are too much. Simply, uh, it's going to catch up with them against a team like Philly, who's got 
they've got two bona fide superstars now. Um, and you know, when they come to play, especially Simmons, it's, it's real, it's real tough to top them no matter who you are, whether you're healthy or not. Uh, I think they showed that through the end of the year, although it wasn't the most impressive win streak. It was a win streak nonetheless. Um, and then making pretty quick work of a, uh, of a Miami team that really wasn't all that bad. Um, so I think Philly, I'm, I'm with you. I think Philly, uh, I had them winning in six before this series started. Uh, I still stand by that. Um, so they ultimately even the series, if not losing a heartbreak close one, um, and then win both of them in Philly, uh, take care of home court. Um, Boston's a team that plays vastly different on, on the road and home. Their 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 home crowd's great, and it, those bench players get up on another level when when they're at home. But it just it doesn't seem to happen on the road. Um, so I, I like Philly tomorrow night in a, in another great game, and then take control of the series when they get back to Philly. Agreed. Nathan. Yeah. Is Nathan still here? Nathan. All right. Well, it's you and I. Um, Nathan may be having some technical difficulties. Uh, uh, I'll stay on the Sixer series. Yeah, I'll stay on the Sixer series uh, really quickly. Um, Brett Brown, uh, adjustments. He's made them in the second half. Uh, the Miami series uh, we went over, we weren't sure if it was four or five. It was definitely four they were trailing after one half. Uh, I think there may have been a tie in the fifth, if if not trailing all five games, and won the series four to one. I think that was beneficial to their growth, uh, the physical nature of that series. Uh, you got another guy who's kind of my favorite non-sixer in a weird way in Marcus Smart, just because of uh, you see a little bit of it in Rondo too. That the, the, you know that. Uh, you always want that guy that's kind of a psycho and will get on the floor and, you know, just get in your head and what have you. But uh, He's like the, the NBA version of a goon. Yeah, precisely. And, you know, I I love that. And, you know, we thank goodness uh, Brian Colangelo brought in Bellinelli, Oisova, to add to Amir Johnson and J.J. Redick and, you know, some of the other veterans because a guy like Smart and others could rattle the cage, so to speak and get them off their game. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to see how they come out tomorrow night. And in the event, it'll, it'll be really hard as a Philadelphia fan to, to stomach going down 0-2, knowing that, you know, your, your fate is in the hands of uh, Ben Simmons, a rookie, and the chant was not a rookie from the Boston faithful. But uh, people at such a young age step up in the, in the professional level. And they've never faced that kind of adversity. You know, this is new territory for those guys. Um, But I agree with you in once we get here, as evidenced in the Milwaukee series, when Boston goes on the road, I mean, it's Kyrie Irving's not there. And uh, obviously Gordon Hayward's not there from the beginning. And now you got a banged up uh, Jalen. So, you know, I, I, I don't see Philly losing a game. It's a matter of getting that home court back. Um, and then, you know, we, we like you said, Toronto has a mental block with LeBron James. And, I you know, I don't want to look forward, but I already am. Um, in the event we play Toronto or Cavs, do you see Philadelphia as being a legitimate contender to beat either of those teams? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Philly's got to, you know, I think all four of these teams probably, it's funny, I would probably say the Raptors have the the least chance to move on to the NBA Finals of anyone. Um, I I think Philly's got a legitimate shot. Um, whoever they face in the, if they move on, which I we, we both expect them to do, uh, whoever they face in the Easter Conference Finals is going to be either a less, a, a dead tired LeBron team with, arguably his worst supporting cast of his career and mm-hmm. a Toronto team that I don't think all too many, all that, that too many people are scared of. Um, especially, you know, getting punched in the mouth by Cleveland, like they did in game one. It, they just seem like a team with talent that doesn't have the heart to match. Um, and I think Philly is built on a lot of heart this year. Uh, I think it's what I find interesting about Philly is I compare them to a lot of teams like that have kind of had, not, I mean, it, Philly was expected to be in the playoff hunt this year, but not not this not go this deep into the playoffs and actually be considered for a, a finals candidate. But uh, similar to like the '09 Magic or the the that one Knicks team in 2012 2013 that made, won 54 games or 52 games, they they have like right. one or two star players and surra- who dominate the ball and surround him with lockdown three point shooters, and that's that's what the Knicks did with Melo. That's what the Magic did with Dwight Howard and Vince Carter, and that's that's what the Sixers seem to be doing with Simmons and Embiid. Um, Simmons is one of the best passers and ball distributors, especially for his size, but in the NBA in general. And Embiid is just you have to focus so much on him that if you can surround those two guys with knockdown shooters, you're going to get kickouts galore. And you know that's why JJ Redick went there, and he's he's raking in the dough and the threes all year. Um, just to sit there yeah. and shoot threes, and it's been it's been really effective for them, and as it was for those other teams in the past. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice one year uh, contract, if I might say myself. Twenty three yeah. mil, jeez. Uh, yep. Nate, are you are, are you still with us, Nate? Wow, I'm trying. Nate, Nate is Purdue. Oh, there we go. I I hear a you voice. Got me? I hear voice. I hear voices in my head often, but I'm hearing a southern voice, so I think it's Nate. Do you have me? Do you hear me? Yes, we do. All right, I'm sorry. I'm I'm having technical issues over here. I've had to – I was kicked in the middle of the conversation, and now I'm on my phone trying to talk to you. Um, Sorry about that, um, Jones. I really am. I apologize. Uh, no problem. That. No, I'm not apologizing to UTR. You left me alone for an hour last week. I left you for what, 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, that, that's true, but what's amazing is that, uh, you know, I think I think that we have some kind of uh, magic uh, or voodoo on our side that, that we, we, we kept the conversation going considering you're on the producer end tonight. But uh, I'll let you figure all that stuff out and, and uh, you know, uh, have a you know we are we had already talked predominantly about the Philadelphia and Boston series, um, and now that you're back with us, do you have anything you want to address? Uh well, now that I'm back, and I know my connection's probably not as good. Um, it looked Utah did pick up the win. One sixteen one oh eight is the final. Utah wins one in Houston, so that's big. Uh, we did talk Cleveland and Toronto. Uh, the only other one left is Golden State, New Orleans. So, 
Uh, I thought New Orleans had a decent game plan, but I um, I just don't think they're going to be enough for all that star power. Jones, what do you think on that one? Yeah, I think the same thing. I, I would be surprised if the Pelicans won won a game in this series. Um, I think last night he, when Steph got back and hit that first three, it was like, okay, here they are again. Here we go, like, yeah. Well, well, yeah, welcome back. Um, haven't seen you in, in ten months, but here's the Warriors that we remember. And it's just, it, like, I don't know. I just don't know anyone's going to take them down at this point. They were playing just fine without Steph, and now it's they, he comes back, and they are noticeably better right away. And I don't, you know, Anthony Davis is going to have to average 40-something for the rest of the series to even maybe get a game or two. Um, and I just don't see that happening. They did a pretty good job of kind of limiting him last night and trying to make everyone else beat them. And Draymond was in everyone's head. It was it was a classic Warriors uh, vic- hard-fought victory. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's scary. You know, we're destined for that that Warriors Rockets uh, matchup that we all wanted, and that's going to be the quote unquote NBA Finals. Well, maybe you wanted, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure you, Philly, you want it. Wanted, modern well. both eliminated. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. As hey, a Wolves uh, fan, uh, I was okay. hoping for a Wolves final, but you know, <laughs> hey, you got maybe you guys, someday in the, the future. The Wolves are, yeah, the Wolves are they're not far off. You know, they're they're not too different than the Sixers. Uh, a couple of stars, a lot of young talent. Bright future's bright for Minnesota. Yeah. I hope so. Tr, what was you going to say? I'm sorry. Um. I was just going to talk about that uh, Golden State team a little bit. Um, as as mentioned, Steph comes back and boom. And you know, it, it seems like it seems like long term, he's had that just misfortune uh, of of stepping on 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 feet and 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 whatever else. It's it's almost like chronic ankle injuries. So, for the sake of the NBA, and just because. Uh, he's such a joy to watch that I, I hope that is in the past for him. Um, I I don't see as as impressive as New Orleans was in their series against uh, Portland. I just I, I I don't see any chance. I mean, maybe a game, maybe five max. But um, Golden State at full strength is really uh, you know going to be equal if not better to what they have been in the past and it'll really it'll really be a uh, litmus test a eye opener uh, you know James Harden the last game he played in last season he basically was the invisible man and it didn't even look like the same guy uh, Chris Paul's never fully got over the hump uh, it's a really intriguing series uh, and I know we're jumping ahead and we should not do that fans of Pelicans and fans of Utah, especially coming off a Utah Jazz win tonight. But, um, you know, the percentages are there that Golden State will match up with Houston. And as a basketball fan, I, I can't wait to see how all, you know, that all plays out. You know, um, I don't know if that was a question or a soliloquy, but, uh, um, Jones, what do you, what do you think? You know, um, as you mentioned that in people's minds, that's kind of the NBA final, um, what do you think there, um, if if that match happens? Does Houston have a, have a legitimate chance to uh, 
on Crown Golden State? I think they have a chance, but I don't think it's anywhere as high as some or many are suggesting. Um, I agree. Like you, you touched upon it, Harden and, and Paul, they've, they've, they've done this multiple times in their careers, looked dominant in the first and second round, and then when they put a, they're put up against a real team, it, 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 the tone changes completely, and they're just not the same players and they're not the same team. Um, not to say that that'll happen this year because this is a different Rockets team in terms of defensive and offensive efficiency this year, but still, you know, the same cast of characters and their issues in the playoffs. Um, I know, you know, obviously Paul is there now, but, you know, he, he experienced those same issues with the Clippers with similar talent level. It's not like he, either of them were alone before they they joined together. Um, so right. I think, yeah, I just think it's it's going to be Houston again that, Houston not coming up, either coming up short again um, for both those guys, and I I think it'll be a much more dominant Warriors series than people think. I think Houston probably gets two. It might go seven. It might go seven, but uh, I think it's still. I, I don't have any fear of uh, the Warriors getting eliminated in that if I'm them. I just think they're too experienced, they're too talented, uh, too well coached, and. Uh, Kerr will Kerr will outcoach D'Antoni, and I mean if you go position by position, it's really like who's the Rockets' advantage? I guess Harden over Clay, but that's a, a marginal difference given what Clay does on the defensive end um, that Harden doesn't. So and anywhere else, I don't know where the where the matchup is better for Houston. Um, so I, I think I think. The Houston hype is there's a reason for it, but I don't. I think it's being overstated as to how true it actually is. Yeah, we we seem to be on the same page. So, unfortunately, we can't we can't uh, wager against each other if we like the same squads. Nate, are you still yeah. with us? Yeah, I'm here, um, buddy. We're, we're, running, uh, we're running low on time, so. Jones, we want to thank you very much for jumping on. Please uh, let our fans know where they can find you at on Twitter and other places as well. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, anyone who's interested, the site is bleacherfan.com. You can be find, found on Instagram at, at bleacherfan, Facebook at, at bleacherfansports, and Twitter at bleacher underscore fan. All right. Well, Jones, thanks for jumping on. We hope to have you back in the near future, and hopefully my equipment will work then, and I won't have to do this from a damn cell phone. Absolutely. I'll have to get you guys on the podcast, too, our podcast over here, which is The Extra Point, uh, presented by Bleacher Fan on iTunes. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll be in touch. We'll get you guys on sometime as well. Hey, thanks, we Jones. All right. Good talking to you guys. Bye. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Well, NATO. we've got about All right, cool. we got five minutes left here, and I don't know what. I'm just having a time and a half here with my technology. I don't know what's happened. Um, everything has just quit on me here. I'm still trying to upload. I got poor Jeff on hold, and the, the whole damn thing is just coming crashing down around me. Uh, it's just a mess right now well, if you're hosting. The joys of live podcasting, if I can say that. I'm going to try this. It, it is funny with me last week uh, having that issue in the in the first half of the show, and then I kicked I kicked <laughs> the question as we wrote 
we rotate usually, and I kick the question to you, and you weren't there, so it was it was kind of funny. Yeah, but uh, I got my I got disconnected from you. I don't know I don't know what happened. I don't know. Uh, I've tried to unmute Jeff, and it's not happening. And I'm trying to. I, it's just this thing's a damn. It's a damn mess right now. I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, it's letting me do everything but actually go into the studio. Uh, I normally connect with Skype, and it just wasn't having it tonight. Um, it was being a real pain. So what we're going to do here is we're going to call it here. Uh, Jeff, if you're listening, I'm sorry I couldn't get you back on. We're having some major technical issues over here that I'm going to try and get to the bottom of if I can. Um, but, TR, we can go ahead and wrap up. Hopefully everything takes care of itself, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Um Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. It's at Wide Jump on Twitter. It's um, uh, Facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. It is, oh, God, blank. Instagram.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Follow TR. He's at TR Shock. Follow me. I'm at MMITM Nathan. We want to thank all of our new downloads. Our numbers are going up. We're hitting new countries and new states every week. And if you're wondering where I was when I had technical difficulties, I went to walk with Elias. So that's where I was, if you were wondering. Uh, So, yeah, thank our sponsors, wowfreecam.com, Makeup by Kennedy. She's at facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. And the law offices of Stephen P. New, that's newlawoffice.com. Big thank you to them for helping bring this show to you. Um, you can find our shows on uh, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Uh, this is our home here, blogtalkradio.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. It's our home for now unless this thing don't get its damn act together. But, uh, <laughs> but other than that, this is our home. This is where you can find us. Um, anything that you want to add to that, T.R.? No, we had an action-packed, loaded show tonight. Great bookings from, from uh, you know, the Washington Wizards organization, the Minnesota T-Wolves organization. And uh, and Jones was a great addition as well from Bleacher fans. So, uh, you know, it was a fun night, and it, it, it really steamrolled past to where I didn't say any uh, bad-natured, uh, off-color jokes. Hey, look out. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I want to thank everybody for listening. We just added fans in Taiwan. Konnichiwa. All right. And we appreciate you. Uh, I believe that's how you say thank you. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I believe that's everything. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. We're hoping to have some more guests next week. And uh, sorry I'm not going to have any outro music here. But, uh, TR, take us home. Peace.